I'm going to ask if you will turn with me to the book of Romans, mm -hmm. the fifth chapter. Uh, and we'll look at the first six verses, Romans 5, verses 1 through 6. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Your version may read differently, but I ask that you'll please just follow along. Amen. And uh, the verses as well are also on the screen. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, and they read as follows. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. You know, when we turn on our TVs, we turn on the news, listen to the radios, look around our neighborhoods, go online, go to social media, we'll find so much trauma, so much drama, so much pain, so much suffering that's going on in the world. But how about, I think all of us probably know that we don't have to turn on the TV at times. We don't have to go online. We don't have to turn on the radio. Sometimes we just can just look in the mirror mm -hmm. and we'll say, Lord, I'm going through so much suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, I have this going on and Lord, I don't know what to do. I have that going on. I don't know where to turn. So much anguish, so much pain. I'm uh, feeling some kind of way. Lord, why do I have to go through this? Why do you have me going this way? I thought, Lord, that when I became a Christian, that all of this was going to be easy. You tell the whole truth about that. But we see here in the word that as we've read and as we're going to go through that, yeah, we're going through suffering before we became the Christ. But even after we come, mm. we've come to Christ, we're going to go through some suffering. Come on now. But as we see here, and as we'll learn today, that God has told us that we can rejoice in our suffering. Mm -hmm. So if I can take for a title on today, Rejoice in Suffering. Let us pray. Precious and all wise God, we just give your name all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Lord, we thank you for all that you have already done. And we thank you, precious Lord, for what you are going to continue to do. Precious Lord, we pray that you would cause me to decrease and that you would increase, that your word will be declared on today. Not my thoughts, not my opinions, not my desires, but let your word and truth be declared on this afternoon. 
We give your name all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, when we look at this, the book of Romans, uh, many of us know that was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was a Jew from Tarsus. Uh, and we learn in the book of Acts that he was one that persecuted the Christian church. Uh, Paul called himself, uh, in the book of Philippians, he said he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. Uh, he was a persecutor of the church. But when he encountered Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus in Acts 13, something changed in Paul. That same Paul who was a persecutor, who was zealous to perform the law, he became an ambassador of Jesus Christ. This same Pharisee that was a Hebrew of Hebrews became a missionary for Jesus Christ. And he became a missionary to those that were looked down upon by the Jews, the Gentile community. But not just any Gentile community, but to those in Rome and Roman provinces and Rome itself. Uh, when we see and we look uh, at the book of Romans, there's just so much meat in that book. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. So many of the verses we can quote off the top of the head come from the book of Romans. Uh, and we see that uh, through the inspiration of God that Paul wrote this book because he gave Paul uh, inspiration to not just go to Rome, but to preach the gospel to the believers in Rome. When we look at the, the early chapters in Rome, we can see how he wrote, how he, would, how he desired to get there. He faced opposition, he faced persecution, all of these things just to get to Rome to preach the gospel. But we see that as he was under that inspiration that he recognized that there was something special that's in the gospel message. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In contemporary Christian culture, we hear a lot about Romans 1.16. Amen. Amen. Uh, we, there's a, a record label that goes by 1.16. I have it on my clothes. Amen. 1.16. Many years ago, Andre Crouch, he wrote a beautiful song about Roman 116, and we are not ashamed of the gospel. Mm. Later, Trip Lee rapped about it and says that he is unashamed of the gospel. But it's not just a nice slogan. It's not just a nice logo. It's not just a beautiful chorus or a beautiful hook to a song. But when we look at Romans 116, we realize that it is God's power that is operating in the lives of the believers to salvation. Amen. And he makes it plain to the church at Rome, to the believers at Rome, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it is that for you. It is the power of God mm. to salvation. And guess what? It's not something that was exclusively to the Jewish nature, to the Jewish people, but it's for all who believe, even you. Mm. You see, he was writing to a people that is very, very much like us today. Roman society was a society divided by the haves and the have-nots, mm. the rich and the poor, the in crowd and the reviled. Mm. It was an empire that was built upon a conquest. You want power, you take it. Mm. 
You want fame and fortune? You get it by any means necessary. Mm. Some of y'all may remember the slogan that if you want some, get some, you're bad enough, take some. Mm. Well, that was wrong. It was a society that encouraged, that, that encouraged in finding pleasure and gratification in whatever you want without remorse, without recourse. And it was also a society that allowed all kinds of worship. This, there's a God over here, there's a God over there. Uh, 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 that statue, that's a God. False gods, pagan rituals, idol worship, even the worship of Caesar himself. Rome had all of these things going on. But yet there were still some who heard that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Mm. And they believed. So Paul writes to these people to give them an introduction as he was soon coming to preach the word of God by the will of God. When you go through Romans and you continue to, to look at some of the pages and some of the chapters, Paul begins to flesh out the gospel message more directly. In Romans 1.17, he says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul's starting to set up a message there for the new Christians to understand the importance of having faith in God. He breaks down how the unrighteous deserve wrath, how mankind turned to his own lustful desires and placed its, and placed its pleasures in idols all before God. Mm. All mankind, whether Jew, whether Gentile, even those that may say I'm morally good, we were all guilty of sin and unrighteousness. We all deserved wrath from a holy God. But God in his loving kindness, he provided a way to salvation. He provided a way of righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ. Through him, there is justification, being made right with God through faith in Christ for all those who believe. And so that brings us to chapter 5. He says, We've been just, you've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as we begin to read the first verses of this chapter, Paul is breaking down to the reader the wonderful results of justification and why you have a reason to rejoice. First, you've been justified by faith. And that you, since you have been justified by faith, you have peace with God. You see, we, the church, as born-again believers, we are no longer deserving of wrath and punishment. The price for our sinfulness has been paid for. You're redeemed. You've been reconciled back to the Father. Ephesians 2 and 13 says that, but now in Christ Jesus, we who were once so far off have been brought near. Mm by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So now Paul does not say specifically in this verse, we the church have reason to rejoice. Isaiah 61 and, 10, and 61 and 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for my soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And he has, like a bridegroom, has decked himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And we, as a bride, has been adorned 
with his jewels. So we're not getting the punishment that our sin deserved. But Jesus Christ bore our sins on the cross. So now rather than being clothed and deserving of wrath, we're now clothed with the garments of salvation. We're covered with the robes of righteousness. And that's a reason to rejoice. But then he goes a little further in verse 2 and he says that through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, now because we are at peace with God and we've been reconciled back to him through Jesus Christ, we now have access to the Father. This is huge. Ephesians 2, 17 through 19 says, He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What a wonderful thing to say, to say, and what a wonderful thing to hear, and what a wonderful thing to recognize. Try to get access to the president today and see what happens. Secret service might take you down. Try to get access to your favorite celebrity, athlete, musician, see what happens. Their posse, their bodyguard, their entourage, they might beat you down. Even on our jobs, where we put in hours of work, hours of effort, we can't even get access to our own bosses, supervisors, CEOs, or executives. Mm. Access is a rare and hot commodity in these days and times. Mm. Companies generate billions of dollars from consumers just for paid access to products, media, people, etc. I mean, you can pay and get a, 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 a virtual shout out from a celebrity. That's what pe- that's what that's that's how uh, hot and, 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 and uh, rare access is, is today. That in order to get it, you got to come out of your pocket and pay for it. Mm. But here we, the church, we have access to the Father. So. We have access to God, mm. Master, Creator of all, mm. the One who can do anything but fail. Mm. We have access to the true and living God, mm. and we thank God that He is. Not a God that's inactive. He's not a far off just watching us and say they're on their own. Mm. But he is active and present. God is our refuge and strength. Mm. A very present help in times of trouble. The dividing wall is gone and we can go to him freely. We are standing in access to his grace. Favor that we didn't deserve. Favor that's unwarranted. Favor that's unmerited. Grace, God, God's riches at Christ's expense. And then if that is not reason to rejoice alone, we also have reason to rejoice because, as according to Paul, we have hope of the glory of God. See, Romans 3, tell, 3 and 23 tells us that we have all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But now we've been justified by faith. We can rejoice because we have hope of the glory of God. One day, we will be glorified with him. We're heirs, fellow heirs with Jesus Christ, who has provided that we suffer in order that we may be glorified with him. Natasha read it earlier that 
First uh, John 3 and 2, that we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, hallelujah, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. So I can imagine the believers in Rome when they got this letter, the outpour of emotion they must have been going through. Once again, there was a society of conquest, a society of pagan worship, a society of hedonism and classism, among other things. They were viewed as less than by others. And, but now they're reading this letter and they're saying that all because they believe in Christ Jesus, they are saved from God's wrath. They've been justified through faith in Christ Jesus. They are at peace with God. And not only that, they have access to the true and living God. They stand because of his grace towards them, and they can rejoice in the hope of God's glory. They were probably rejoicing, praising God. A praise party was probably going on. And then the next thing you know, here comes verse number three. Not only that, Paul says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I can imagine the church at Rome must have thought Paul had gotten something wrong. I mean, you just said we're justified through faith. You just said we have peace with God. You just said we've been reconciled. You, you just said that we have a relationship with the Father. How could you now write that we Christians will experience suffering? And not only that, we're going to experience suffering, but we're going to rejoice that we've been suffering? Paul, what in the world are you talking about? At that point, the praise party probably came to a standstill. Mm. Y'all remember back in the day, somebody bumped the record and the record was scratched and everything would go silent? That's probably what happened during that praise party. There was The running probably stopped, the singing and shouting probably got quiet, whole lot of silence, everybody looking at each other, saying, what in the world is Paul talking about? Somebody get a pen and a paper or a quill and a parchment, and we need to write this brother back because we need answers. Mm. How can we suffer? And why should we rejoice? You see, even today, one of the biggest falsehoods we hear in prosperity gospel teaching is that in salvation, you're going to live the high life. Mm. That once we become saved, all your problems are going to disappear. You're not going to go through anything. You're not going to go through hardship. You're not going to go through troubles. You're not going to go through situations. And if you do, you must have missed up. You must have messed up somewhere. Mm. You, you, you must have uh, 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 not dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's. Mm. But the Bible tells us that, that, or the Bible never says rather that we believers are exempt from trials. Mm. Paul made it plain in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 3 through 4, when he said that no one, let no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. But when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. So we see that we were always meant to suffer affliction and suffering. 2 Timothy 3 and 12 tells us that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Mm -hmm. 
And then James tells us in the sister verse to this passage in James 1 and 2 to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. You see, we all love the part of Philippians 3 and 2 when Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. But we forget about the B part of that verse says that says that may we share his sufferings. You see, even Christ Jesus himself told us that beforehand that we were meant to suffer. He said in John 16 and 33, he said that in me you may have peace, but in the world you will have tribulation. But there's another part that we can praise God about. He says, take heart, because I have overcome the world. So then why do we suffer? Well, we know that in the beginning when God created everything. He created everything good. It was, uh, everything was right. Everything was as it should be. But through the sin and disobedience of man, suffering came into this world. And now it's echoes for those, for, for, for us all. Joel 14 and 1 says, man who was born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Hmm. Some of y'all remember the old school teaching, uh, Especially if you were raised in a black household and your grandmother or your mother or your father, they said all they have to do is stay black and die. Mm. Well, according to Job, yes, we're going to die, but we're also going to have trouble mm. along the way. Mm. So we feel the effects of living in a sinful world. But we're reminded that though we are no longer of this world, we are still in this world. So even though we are suffering a part, as suffering and trials are a part of this world, there are, there are some specific reasons why we as Christians do suffer. One reason, chastisement and discipline from the Lord for our good. In the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, uh, he says the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as his sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? We see that a good parent disciplines their children for correction. So God's a good father. He corrects us because of his love for us. He knows when we're drifting too far to the left, too far to the right. So he corrects us to stay on the right course. Another reason for our suffering is for God to get the glory. John 9, 1 and 4, it reads that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents, that he was born blind? But Jesus said it was not, for, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So we see that not everything we go through is because of disobedience to God, but rather sometimes our difficulties can be a platform for God to show himself mighty and strong, for God to show his great power and love, and not just for others, but sometimes we ourselves, we need to realize how much God loves us and how much power, uh, how much power is in his hand that he is truly able. So sometimes just going through suffering it's for us and for others to see that God is able to get the glory. Amen. 
And one other reason, one final reason that Christians do suffer is just because of the name of Christ, of carrying the name of Christ, rather. John 15 tells us that the world hates us and that it, he was hated before we were hated. And that we were, because we are in the world, the world will hate us. And that like the master, we will also be persecuted. So some suffering that we go through is just because we're Christians. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world facing persecution for naming the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are being burned down. Believers taken out into the streets and beaten. Sometimes even being shot, killed, executed, and, and, and hung, all because they named the name of Jesus Christ. The funny thing is, is that this was going on in the early church, and they looked forward to it. They said they wanted to know, as Paul said, he wanted to know Jesus Christ, not just in the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his sufferings, because he wanted to become more like Jesus Christ. Y'all remember when the apostles were taken and beaten for proclaiming the word of Jesus Christ in Acts 5? And they said that when they were let go, they left rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. So when we see some of the reasons why we do suffer, we recognize that we suffer in a variety of ways. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, all of that encompasses the different ways we suffer. We can suffer mentally, we can suffer physically, we can suffer emotionally, we can suffer spiritually. We battle in our minds, sometimes we battle grief and depression, and sometimes we battle anxiety, and sometimes in our body we, we suffer through illness and sickness, or, or, and we have so much hurt that is harmed, that has been inflicting us for, for years that it affects our heart. But no matter the way that, we inf that the suffering is inflicted upon us, we can learn that there is good that comes from our suffering. We don't rejoice because we suffer but rather we rejoice because God is working in our suffering. You see, we see in Romans 5 and 3, the B part of that verse that we rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces endurance. We see that in Hebrews 10 and 36, the writer says, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So endurance helps us to trust in God more and not give up. Endurance gives us what we need to keep the faith and have assurance in God despite our circumstances. Amen. You see, we're not enduring because of our physical strength, our stamina, or our mental fortitude. But we endure because it's God that gives us strength. In Romans 15 and 5, Paul says that it is the God that it gives us endurance and God that gives us encouragement. So we're not enduring because of what we have, but we're enduring because of what God has given us. And when we look at uh, that we are able to endure, we got to look at some of the ways that God has given us to endure. 
You see, we learned about some of those ways in the past few weeks when we, uh, Pastor Josh preached about the marks of a biblical church. These aren't just marks that, that say this is what a church is, but these things that are given to the church, so why? So that we can endure. The first thing he has given us is his word and teaching of his word. His word, the Bible, it helps us endure through times of trouble. Matthew 4 and 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete in every good work. So we need his word to endure. His word settles us. His word establishes us. His word helps keeps us. His word is what we can go through when we don't have, uh, uh, we don't know what to do. His word can give us peace and assurance. Another way that he gives us endurance, another, uh, another mark of the church that he gives us to endure is fellowship with others. Romans 15, 1 and 2 says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let, us each, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Amen. So he has given us one another, the church, to help us endure. When we're suffering and we don't know what to do, we should be able to pick up the phone and call on someone else to say, I, I, I need a word of prayer. I need, I, I, I need you to help guide me through this. I need you to help walk, through, walk me through this. Or sometimes I just need you to listen to what's on my heart. And we should be able to encourage them, encourage them in prayer, encourage them in the world. And sometimes, yes, even encourage them uh, with, with giving them uh, some of the physical needs. God has given us one another to help us endure. Amen. Right. And then finally, one of the things that he has given us to help us endure is prayer. Hmm. Philippians 4 and 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Amen. So as Pastor Josh preached on last week, prayer is that communication that we have with the Father. That we can speak to God, that we can pour out our heart to God, but then have assurance that he will speak back unto us according to his word. Mm. That we can, we, can, we, can, we can confess to God all that is in our heart because he already knows. He knows the very number of hairs that are on our head. He knows our, 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 our ups and downs. He knows our feelings. He knows when we've done wrong. He knows when we're struggling. And we can, so we can confess freely and openly all of these things and then allow God to massage and minister to our hearts. Amen. So we praise God how he continues to show himself to be a loving God. He just doesn't say tough it out. He doesn't say you got it. But rather, he's showing us even the more that we don't got it, Amen. that we can't tough it out. Mm, right. But in him, we can endure. Yeah. In him, we can continue on because he will equip us to endure. Amen. As we learn to trust in him, as we learn to persevere, as we learn that he has continued to do a work in us, then we'll see that he not only does he give suffering to produce endurance, but that endurance produces character. We see that in the fourth verse. So as you suffer, Christian, and allow those trials and hardships, allow them to strengthen you, allow them to help you to persevere, allow them to, uh, uh, to, to allow them so God can work in you and transform in you 
to make you, to conform you into God, into the image of Christ. So when we're going through these trials and hardships, our character is being conformed. In other words, how we would respond to adversity before, we won't try to make a move and make things happen, but rather because God is working in us, we'll respond differently. Mm. We're gaining experience in how God loves us and how God cares for us. We see how God keeps us. So then when we're going through this, we can declare like Job that although I suffer, yet will I trust him. In this, we're allowing God to shape us, to make us, to mold us. First Peter 5 and 10 says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So when you recognize that God has given you endurance to persevere, and through that he is developing your character, then you should realize that there is hope in this life we live as believers. Five and four of Romans says character produces hope. And yes, there is a future hope. Second Timothy 2 and 12 says that uh, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. Uh, there's also a future hope that we will see him. Like we said earlier in John 3 and 2, that uh, when he appears, we shall see him as he is. But we can rejoice because we are also living in a right now hope. We, are hope. we have right now hope in the promises that God gives to those that he loves. We have hope that he will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. We have hope that we can trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. We have hope that we can acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will make our path straight. And we have hope that we can endure, that when we are afflicted on every way, that, we are, that though we are crushed and perplexed, that we're not driven to despair. We may be persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We may be struck down, but we're not destroyed. Because we know that Jesus Christ is being manifested in our bodies. And we have hope that these present sufferings that we're going through, that they're all worth going through. Because the sufferings of this present time, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Because the hope that we are going through, because the sufferings that we are going through are temporary. Because these light momentary afflictions are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so when we add all of that together, it takes us to verse 5. That hope doesn't put us to shame. You see, the world would think us strange. Come on, brother. Family and friends would scratch their heads. They said, you're going through all of this, and you're still talking about hope. Mm. Uh, uh, your, your, your sickness is inflicting your body, and you're still talking about hope. Uh, this one left you, that one died, and you're still talking about hope. Mm. Uh, you barely have two nickels to scrape together. Mm. But you're still talking about hope. Come on, brother. What is it that you have that we don't have that continues to give you hope? What is it that we have that keeps us going? You see, it's all in Jesus Christ that keeps us going. Because of the work he's doing in us, it keeps us going. Amen. And because we have hope, we can rejoice like Paul said in verse 2. 
because we're not living this life alone. The God of all creation, master of everything, he is on our side. Because we have peace with him, we have access to him. Because his love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Because his love has been poured into us by the God, the Holy Spirit. Because his love has been poured into us by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, we recognize that God is with us. He didn't leave us comfortless, but he has given us a helper to lead us and guide us to all manner of truth. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. And because the Holy Spirit is at work in us, he is developing fruit in us to help us suffer well, on, to help us endure, to help us build good character. On, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit, y'all know it, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so because we have his spirit, we reminded in verse 1 that we've been justified through faith. We recognize that it was all because of the gospel. That when we were dead in our sins, we were dead in our sins. We were deserving of wrath. We were deserving to suffer eternally. eternally. But because of God's love towards us, he sent his son to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. And his son bore the suffering and anguish that we deserved. Though he was without sin, he lived a, sinful, a sinless life. Jesus Christ bore our sins and was crucified like a common criminal. And then that takes us to Romans 5 and 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died. For the ungodly. But guess what? He didn't stay there. Come on, on the third day, he rose with all power. Yes, he, he conquered sin and he conquered the grave. Mm. He gave us the opportunity to be reconciled back to God. Mm. He gave us the opportunity to be justified by faith. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as, Lord, as your Lord and Savior, the song says, there is still power in the blood. So you have an opportunity to be at peace with God. You have an opportunity to repent of your sins. Don't just ask for forgiveness, but turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus. Reject the ways of the world and accept Jesus. And with saving faith, believe that he is, that he came in flesh, that he walked this earth, that he died on the cross, and that God raised him from the dead. And he is alive right now, and he is alive in his church because of his actions. He saved us from true suffering. Mm. These things that we're going through here on earth, they're just temporary. Mm. We've read the scriptures. They're going to come to a pass. They're going to come to an end. At some point in time, we're going to be okay. No, no, we're going to be better than okay. Yeah. Because true suffering would be to be ever separated from God. Mm. True suffering is to, be, to face eternal damnation. True suffering is to experience the wrath of, a tr of the true and holy God. But because he recognized we were weak, he died at the right time for us. Because he is sovereign. Because he is sovereign, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. 
And to those he predestined, he called. And to those he called, he justified. And to those he justified, he glorified. All in his sovereignty. Because what? If God is for us, who can be against us? He is sovereign because he knew when to die and he died at the right time. He's still sovereign because he even knows that when we're suffering, he knows what to give us what we need to endure through our sufferings. So even though we're going through trials and tribulations, we are not alone. We may suffer, but we don't suffer alone. We may suffer, but we don't suffer separation. Because who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No, because in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. So through all the trials, through all the tribulations, through all the hardships, through all the sufferings, we can rejoice because in these things, God is doing something wonderful, incredible and awesome. God is doing something wonderful in us. I like it what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. But when I am weak, then I am strong. Because it's not in us. It's all in Christ Jesus. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope that it's of the Lord's mercies that we have not been consumed. Oh, thank God that his compassions don't fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Precious and all wise God, we give your name all praise, all glory, and all honor. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that some of us are going through things right now, but we're not alone. Lord, some of us feel unloved right now, but you love us even the more. Some of us don't know what tomorrow holds, but Lord, you do. And we thank you, Lord, that because of you, we can endure. That we don't have to go through these things alone, but more so you give us what we need to endure. So throughout this day, throughout this week, throughout this month, throughout this year, Lord, let us be reminded of the love that you have for us, that love where you gave yourself for us. But you didn't stop there with your salvation, that you're still saving us. You're saving us from ourselves. You're saving us from the world. You're saving us even in our suffering. So, Lord, I pray that you will continue to speak to us, that we can be reminded of your goodness and loving kindness towards us. And we thank you, precious Lord, that because of your sacrifice, we don't have to suffer true suffering. We don't have to go through true tribulation 
to be separated from you eternally, but because of your sacrifice. These are just momentary light afflictions and that we can endure through your strength, through your grace. Is it easy? No. Is it hard? Yes. But is it worth it? Amen. Praise God it is. Yes. Because you are conforming us into the image of your son. Yes. And for that we give your name the glory, the praise, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.